Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey everybody, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. Thank you so much for clicking on the Holderness Family Podcast and for listening to it. And we're going to talk a lot about listening on this podcast. This year, my resolution was to get out of my comfort zone and to find ways to challenge myself. In fact, we even made a t-shirt, which is in our shop. You can go to our website and check it out. And it says straight out of my comfort zone because it is been my motto around here and we did this thing so we posted a picture of it and saying hey if, if you find yourself in this situation here here's a t-shirt and the text around it was you know i can do really hard things like go on the amazing race and bungee jump and just by the way showing up to the amazing race was way out of my comfort zone but things like making phone calls were just are, are such a challenge and first of all the shirt sold out we've restocked it it's restocked now but we heard from so many people in the comment section that, oh my gosh, me too. I struggle making phone calls. And I had joked with, you know, responding to somebody, hey, maybe we should make this a podcast. And so many people said, yes, yes. please talk about this. Please make a podcast about it. So here we are. Yeah. And we're here to answer the question of why, because Kim's not alone in this. I would also agree that it's not necessarily, you know, a phone call, but it is amazing what things I'm not comfortable with that I think that normal bystander or someone who knows me well would be like, really? But you do so, 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 and so. There's a science to this and there's a psychology to this that uh, we are here to discover. And boy, did we make some discoveries. Yeah. So uh, by the way, telephone phobia impacts an estimated 15 million people in the US. Real quick, shouldn't they just make that telephobia? Let's call it telephobia. It's, it seems We're, like a portmanteau opportunity. Okay, pre-pandemic, okay. so this is in 2019, a survey, survey found that 76% of millennials and 40% of baby boomers have anxious thoughts when their phone rings. Gen X, I guess they just didn't 
question, Jenna. We are the forgotten generation. You, oh, so you're mostly mad that they didn't include us in the generational statistics? I, they yeah, just correct. <laughs> but anyway, the generations. We, but I would say you could see as as people as people grow, the younger population has a bigger struggle with this. Anyway, so we brought on Dr. Selena Snow. She's going to help us out to explain why. She's going to give us some strategies and she's going to help us discover some things about ourselves. Oh my gosh, you guys, I made a realization that is reframing everything. Yeah. Yeah, It's not about the telephone, by the way. It's about you. So, (laughs) uh, okay. Dr. Selena Snow is a behavioral psychologist and an expert on anxiety and depression. She's the founder and director of the Snow Psychology Group, and she's conducted countless training and therapy sessions to help people understand how changes in their behavior can unlock the path toward achieving their personal goals. She strongly believes in serving her community and volunteers with the Alzheimer's Association, Woo-hoo! which is obviously near and dear to our heart, leading a support group for caregivers of relatives with Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Snow is frequently invited to speak to the community at large on a variety of mental health topics and has shared her insights on GMA, CNN, ABC News, and many more. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Snow. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Okay. It's such a pleasure. Well, we're so excited to talk to you, to talk to you face to face. But for some reason, a phone call would make me more intimidated. So You're more intimidated by a phone call than a, than a Zoom yes. meeting? Yes. Okay. So what is it about a phone call that's making people like me so uneasy? Even people without anxiety, by the way, have admitted to having some phone call issues. So what is it about the phone call that's so hard? So we all want to put our best foot forward and we don't want to fall over on that foot. So when we are on the phone, there can be more pressure to very quickly come up with our responses, to answer a question, to come up with something witty to say. And so we can feel more rushed and we don't have as much of the luxury of time like you might on email or text to be able to wordsmith your message. And so this can make us more uncomfortable. And so therefore we might be more reluctant to do things via phone as opposed to just getting onto an, an email or a text. Do you feel as the other piece? Keep going. You continue. The other piece too is that on the phone we have such limited nonverbal information that's coming at us, and that makes it really hard. So right now, Kim, as I was just talking, you're nodding your head at me, and Penn is smiling in the background, and these are cues that take that give me the encouragement to know, oh, this is going well, this is a safe space, I can continue to say something else, as opposed to if you guys started to glare at me, I might stop talking. But we don't know what the other person is doing on the other end of a phone. And so this can make us more uncomfortable and more inhibited when we don't get those very lovely head nods and smiles or even a puzzled look that would let me know, oh, I better tweak what I'm saying. You have no idea what I'm saying. I need to come back and clarify this. You got into something that I think is interesting, which is you were sort of starting to imagine what that other person was doing and sometimes even assuming the worst when you don't see those verbal cues, right? Like you can't see them smiling. And you know, we've learned that the neurodiverse brain's really good at just horrible imaginations when it comes to those things, especially those those who have anxiety. Do do people find themselves falling into these sorts of like thought traps when they're when they're on the phone as well? So we all have what's called the negativity bias pen. 
which means that we can have that tendency to go to some of those more negative places in our brain because it's biologically adaptive for us. So we are programmed to really pay attention to negative information that could pose dangers or threats to us because if I ignore that and I get eaten by a dinosaur because I didn't pay attention to something that could be in that lovely meadow, then I'm going to be dead and I can't continue to propagate my DNA. So from an evolutionary standpoint, we are hardwired to pay some more attention to some of that information that's more negative. And so about some of the dangers and possible problems. And so we are all, whether we have that neurodiverse brain, whether we have anxiety or not, as you mentioned, Kim, that this is something that we all can fall into that tendency to be a little bit more looking for where there may be a threat here. And so we can then bring our more rational brain to come and challenge and reassess the situation. My 13-year-old self is just shocked because as as a 13-year-old and back in my day, you know, there weren't there wasn't an option for text message and if I wanted to talk to a friend, I had and I with joy made a phone call and my kids would be horrified to know that I typically had to talk to my friend's parents before I talked to my friend. So there were there were a lot of layers to even work through there. And it was never a problem. So is this an impact of the pandemic? Is it age? Is it just the way that I've become addicted to texting via talking? What do you think? So I think that any particular challenge or issue is not going to be universally held by every person on the planet. And there is absolutely going to be people who, you know, are going to really enjoy getting on a stage in front of an entire arena and performing. And yet, you know, many of us would find that to be, you know, very anxiety provoking, and we might try to avoid that at all costs. And so I think that there's a tremendous amount of human variability, and that some people will have no problem with making that phone call, but some people will. And some people, it's also going to depend on that context. So if you were having some anxiety or discomfort about talking to, um, you know, maybe there was a boy you were interested mm-hmm. in, in sixth grade when you were, you know, 12, and you had to first talk to his parents, you might actually avoid making that phone call to his house and try to instead, you know, talk to him at school. So I think that it also is all very context dependent and can depend on the level of danger and threat that we might be assessing accurately or not accurately in that moment. But I do think to your point about how things may change over time, that we do have more mechanisms that allow us to keep avoiding making phone calls that weren't available to you when you were 12. Because as you said, there was no email, there was no text, there was no, you know, Instagram or WhatsApp or a thousand other ways that you could communicate with people and not have to push yourself to get on the phone. And we know that the more we do something, the more comfortable we get doing it. And so as you had no other choice but to keep getting on the phone, that also helped you to continually see that it wasn't as dangerous as you thought it was and that you were able to handle it. With all anxiety, there's really two fundamental thought traps. And one is that overestimation of danger, where we're just thinking that this is going to be so dangerous to me. It's going to be such a catastrophe to me if I do this thing. And then the second one is the underestimate 
of my ability to cope. Mm. So I'm thinking that I won't be able to handle this. So if I'm thinking that this is such a dangerous, terrible thing that's going to happen, and I have no ability to manage it, then it's going to make perfect sense to avoid doing these things. The problem is, is that when we keep avoiding making the calls, because we can, because of some of those technological advances, then I never get the corrective learning experience to learn that both of those thought traps weren't true and they were just thought traps, that actually it wasn't so dangerous to make the call, it was just uncomfortable. And things that are uncomfortable aren't necessarily dangerous. And the other thing we don't learn is that, oh, I can handle this. Look at me. I did this. Wow, I'm a rock star. I can do this hard thing. But so we're not getting that practice learning something because we have this off ramp where we can avoid doing it today. So is the answer to overcoming phone call anxiety, just get over it and do it? Is that the, is that the answer? So I, it's a little bit of an oversimplification, right? Because I always like to say, if everything was just a Nike commercial, we would all just do it. And, you know, we would all just, you know, lose that hundred pounds we wanted to lose. And we would all just, you know, not be upset or not be anxious. And so I think that some of these things can be challenging and can often be really helpful to do together with a trained mental health professional. But in essence, Yes, when we're talking about anxiety, what we're going to have to do is confront our fears. And so, you know, to a certain degree, if your child was afraid that there were monsters under the bed, you might talk with them about it. But at the end of the day, we both know you're going to take that child and go together and take a look under the bed and see, are there actually any monsters under the bed? And that talking about it will only go so far until you actually confront that fear and they can see, oh, mommy's right. There don't seem to be any monsters under that bed. But what also happens is that the more we avoid, the more we avoid. Because what we've now learned is that anytime I feel uncomfortable, my solution is go away from that, yeah. avoid these things. And so we can start to do that in more context and more frequently until our world starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller as we're avoiding all sorts of situations or stimuli that might be uncomfortable for us. And the, so there's problems. Yeah. The absolute example of that is you, someone calls you and you think about, hmm, would this be easier if I just hit decline and you text, sorry, I'm doing something. What's up? Raise your hand if you've done that before. It's, <laughs> it, seems like it, it seems like it happens a lot. And I have my own personal opinions about all of these. I do have communication anxiety, but for me, the phone is my favorite way to communicate. I, I sometimes think that society doesn't want you to talk on the phone as much anymore. It just seems like everybody's texting each other and I, I've fallen into that as well. I, if I had to rank my favorite things like per, in person is fine for me, but I have anxiety cause I'm fidgety on the phone. It's, you can hide those things. And I really love people's voices. That's why like Kim has the sexiest voice. And I love, like, I love talking to her on the phone. It is awesome. It's like ASMR all the time. And then texting to me, I do so much of it, but it gives me anxiety as well. I've, I feel like I'm not making the connection that I normally would. I feel like sometimes the thing that I'm, things that I'm saying are being taken the wrong way. And I get worried when other people say something and I need to correct them because it seems to be taken the wrong way. And we'll be right back. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain. If you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy. Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers. To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code SPACE80 and to show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Holderness with code SPACE80. There's anxiety for other types of communication, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think you brought out such an important point, which is what we were talking about just a few minutes ago with Kim, that every person is going to have sort of their own unique set of stressors and things that are going to be uncomfortable for them. And it's not necessarily going to be the same across the board for everybody. And your point was exactly right, that for you, that there is something that you are aware of that you might be doing because of your neurodivergence, that you're recognizing, hey, I might be fidgeting, I might be doing something, or I might have a tick, and that might be distracting. And so I prefer to be on the phone where people can't see that. And so we're all sort of making that decision about what's going to work best for me and my personal situation so that let's say I also have some concerns about, um, you know, about my weight or about my bodily appearance in some way, right, that I might prefer not to meet in person. And I might prefer to do anything that might be via tech, whether that might be the email or whether it's the phone call. And that might become my go-to mechanism so that I don't have to go out in, you know, in person and possibly have you, you know, judge me negatively or feel critically towards me or reject me. So we're all going to sort of have to look at our own situation as to why we might be making the preferential decisions we do to communicate in one way or another, given our totality of all the parts of us. 
I loved something you said, you know, we talk a lot about anxiety on this podcast because it's something I deal with, but I loved what you said about it's a, an, a, you know, an overestimation of, of the impact of the thing we ha- were anxious about. And it's an underestimation of our ability to deal with it. And I think that's been a key that I've been missing. I typically underestimate my ability to deal with something and I need to look yeah. at my track record and I've gotten through everything yeah. not so only far. That, not only that, people love talking to you all the time. <laughs> no, 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 but not even just about the phone call. Yeah. I'm oh, talking just about just yeah. anything. And I, I think I have to say, I, I do, I, I feel very awkward socially unless it, it unless we, you know, I really get to know you, I feel like I get nervous uh, going to say a a cocktail party or something where there's going to be a lot of people I don't know, because I have a 100% track record of just saying something really stupid or not, or just like failing at conversation. I need to take a, a how to make small talk class. I just don't do small talk well, but I need to realize that, well, I've gotten through it. I'm still alive. These people don't hate me. And so that, will help me sort of reframe these little social things that I think I get anxious about. Yes. So what you're talking about is building on your own strengths and seeing some of your own resiliency, which is exactly what we're always trying to encourage people to do, right? Well, have you ever done something that was scary before? And were you able to handle that? Not even what was the outcome and how did it work, but it may not have worked out. But nonetheless, you know, to me, that's even more data, right? So it didn't work out the way you wanted. And yet here you are in my office still here huh, so you must be a lot more of a tough cookie than you might be giving yourself credit for and thinking that I'm this delicate orchid that can't handle being uncomfortable, but yet we have all this data that says it's not true, right? Because you've already handled so many difficult things up to this point. And so this back to that negativity bias, right? Mm -hmm. This may not be something that we are always really in touch with of all the things that we have done. And especially when someone is dealing with anxiety or depression, we really can have more of that negative outlook and we can not see some of the wonderful things that we have done which would empower us to be able to say huh i was able to get through xyz so then maybe i can also get through this and so this is again some of that emotional filter some of those thought traps that you were referencing before pen and we just have so many of them it's amazing Mm -hmm. that we can walk and chew gum at the same time (laughs) because we do have all of these errors in our thinking that can really negatively impact us but these are the ways that we talk to ourselves and it is going to inhibit us from wanting to do it again if the message to us is you fail you suck and how likely are we to move forward and try that again with those kind of self-assessments are there other strategies that folks with any sort of communication or anxiety in general uh, need to be putting into practice to kind of expose themselves to this work expose is exactly the right word right because it really is it's exposure therapy which is a behavioral technique that cognitive behavioral therapists such as myself would employ with someone and so yes 
it does involve that of exposing ourselves to those feared conditions, but there's some other dimensions to it as well. So what we will typically call that is exposure with response prevention. And so we are exposing ourselves to fear situations, but we also want to make sure that we are not in some way still doing avoidance or doing what we call safety behaviors. And safety behaviors are things that we do that we think will help to decrease the likelihood of those feared outcomes. So one very common safety behavior might be, I will always send a text before I make a phone call so that therefore I can reassure myself that, you know, the person isn't being caught off guard, I'm not being rude, they won't be angry at me. And so I might do that and that might help me to feel safer to do the exposure that you're talking about doing. And yet, when we rely on those safety behaviors, the problem is, is that I attribute everything that happens while well, the outcome to the safety the behavior. behavior as opposed to to me. So what I've learned is not that, hey, I'm a tough person who can do hard things like make phone calls. No, what I've actually learned is I'm a person who has to always text. And if I can't text, I can't make the phone call. I need to know more about exposure therapy because I'm a mad. I was like, I wonder what that's like. And I sort of went down a little ADHD spot here. And I was, <laughs> I just started thinking at this time that it was during COVID. And we did like a 16 person conference call with my extended family, like a Zoom call that my wife was on. And it wasn't just her. There were like three or four other family members who were like, this is the most horrific thing I've ever been through in my entire life. Like, because everyone talks at the same time in our family. And I was like wondering, is that what exposure family like, therapy is? <laughs> what, what is it like? What is what? It, like, what would it be like? Let's say you had some telephobia. What like what specifically does exposure therapy look like? Because it seems to me in my head like it's terrifying. You know, we always want to sort of let people know that exposure therapy is not about forcing people okay. to do all sorts of crazy things that they've seen on a YouTube video of what these things can be. I think a lot of things that exist out like on uh, in, in the media are not always accurate reflections of exactly what's actually happening in therapy sessions. And so it's not about trying to get people to do all sorts of, of bizarre things necessarily, but it is also something that's done very collaborative. Collaboratively, And so it's not forcing anyone to do anything, but designing these types of exercises or experiments together and, you know, having that conversation about what seems like a good next step. And we can go in really small baby steps. We just want to keep moving forward. Um, but so, for example, with making phone calls, it might start with, um, you know, just making a phone call to a takeout restaurant and keeping it, you know, really brief of just, you know, placing an order. There may be, you know, sort of ways that we start to extend the length of the phone call or the types of things that are happening in the phone call, or maybe we start to ask a question. And back to the conversation we were having earlier, that's going to vary from person to person. So it wouldn't just be some sort of formulaic Every person needs to do it in this order, because for one person, that might be something that is extremely anxiety provoking and we're going to need to work our way up to versus for someone else, the order might look different. So we have to really tailor that to each particular person. But to your question, Penn, it's about gradually increasing the level of difficulty and discomfort that we're having. There's something I kind of internally chant to myself when I get into uncomfortable situations where I say, like being uncomfortable is not bad. Like, in fact, so getting out of my comfort zone has sort of been my challenge for myself in this new year. But being uncomfortable is actually really good for you in a, a lot of situations. So I just have to repeat that 
to myself as I walk through situations that make me uncomfortable, which is hilarious because I've done some really big, uncomfortable things. Like the big things, I have no problem doing. Big things are fine. It's the really small things, like ordering takeout a, ta- a yeah. really a really long takeout order for multiple people mm, that's just not that's just not my jam I, I think too that when we can start to break that down as to so what are the elements that are causing the difficulty and is there some fear there that I'm inconveniencing someone that I'm a bother to someone and so we can address some of those with other types of exposures too that may not even be about the phone calls per se right so maybe we would start practicing practicing, you know, going to a store and buying something and then returning it, you know, very promptly afterwards. And so now I have inconvenienced someone and to start getting more comfortable with this notion that I may be bothering someone, I might be inconveniencing someone and having to sort of live with some uncertainty, which is that we never really know for sure whether we have or haven't bothered someone. Even if I call you and I say, hey, is it a good time for me to call you? Maybe you say it is, but maybe you don't really mean it, right? Maybe you're just trying to be nice and polite because you know I'm having a tough time. So you're trying to make yourself available to me, but I can never really know for sure that I'm not bothering you or that I'm not inconveniencing you in some way. So to a certain degree, we're also talking about developing some distress tolerance, Cam, that we can tolerate that I am uncomfortable. And I so agree with you that it is such an important, important part of our life because anytime we're doing something that we don't already know or that we don't already have nailed down, we're going to be uncomfortable, but that's the whole idea of learning and growth but it's not a fully comfortable process. I, I will say you you hit something there that I do always feel like I'm bothering somebody, even down to if I go into a store and the, you know, the nobody's in the store, right? And they have some board, you know, sales, you know, associates that are happy to like, oh, try this on, try this on, try this on. Like they're, they're doing their job happily. And if I don't like anything, I feel bad. There's been there have been moments where I've purchased something that I don't even mm-hmm. really like because I don't want to hurt their feelings. And I feel as if, well, they worked so hard to try to find something I like. And yeah. so I don't want to, you know, and but and sometimes I'll go back and like if they're not working, I'll return it, which I mean, it's all in the system. I mean, it's it's but I feel I feel so bad bad and i can guarantee you my husband has never once had that emotion no <laughs> so but, if he, he'd but, be like oh sorry thanks for helping me out it didn't work out i'll see you next time this was a great experience whereas i'm like oh i feel so bad i've, I've never heard you describe that entire process before I, I honestly i don't think i was aware i was doing it until dr snow said you know, maybe you're feeling like you're inconveniencing someone. I mean, seriously, I don't make a lot of, we made this kind of silly video where I was like making a lot of accommodations with a food order, but I don't do that in restaurants. And I even have an, a walnut allergy. And I'm like, if, if you don't mind, if it's okay, but it's no big deal. Just like if you could just take the walnuts off, I don't even ask for another salad. Another, I don't, ask for any because I don't want to inconvenience anybody like what in my what and, happened in my head that I thought that that was bad they're doing their job they don't care right and and I've always said to you like you can say this you're not inconveniencing anyone I don't know that I'm helping by saying that right like I like me saying you're fine like that doesn't 
I don't know what I don't know what it is that happened in my head that like at one point in my childhood I inconvenienced somebody and now I carry this guilt. Like I don't know what happened, but I really feel like I'm putting somebody out and they don't care when it comes down to it. But so this is the problem with Penn's approach to you, Kim, right? Is that he's trying to tell you, oh, sweetheart, they don't care. It's fine. But you're already saying that to me right now. You're saying this is totally fine and they don't care. So he's not giving you a newsflash, right? This Mm -hmm. is no epiphany of new information and that you're trying to bring to her awareness that she didn't already have. She knows this. But what we do in exposure therapy is that you're actually experiencing that and feeling it and living it. And, you know, a metaphor that I like to use a lot is that I could stand next to you and watch you try to put a key into the door and you're trying and trying to turn the key and it's not going. And finally, you turn to me and you say, hey, this key is not the right key. And I very irritatedly said, you that to me and I'll do it. Right. Even though I just saw you with my own eyes, put that key in the door and try to turn it. But now I'm saying, give it to me. Let me try. And then I go and I put that same key into that same door and I turn it a bunch of times and I go, oh, this isn't the right key. Duh, right? We all already could have known that, but there was something about me actually doing it for myself to experience that. You can't say that to someone who's experiencing that in that moment, right? They're going to have to experience that for themselves. There's no shortcut to it. And so I think, you know, Ken, to your point, that just telling her whether she's telling it to herself or whether you're telling it to her is not the same thing as actually experiencing. And here comes the exposure exercise, right? going into a restaurant and asking them to take it back Mm. and sitting with that discomfort as uncomfortable as that would be and actually doing that. This is sort of that, that metaphor of putting the key in the lock and seeing that it does the feeling that it's not turning, even though I saw it already, I knew it already, but now I have to actually experience that myself, that that's just a shift. Yeah. It makes me laugh because again, I've done very big actually scary things in my life but something like letting a server know that my order is wrong yeah and you you gave natural (laughs) childbirth well yeah yeah for example like bungee jumping is gone back i mean i've done like physically hard things emotionally hard things but this is i think just being aware of it is so helpful and just aware that of the process so thank you now now that you know that it exposure therapy isn't like putting you in a like a casket with a bunch of tarantulas um like are you is 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 that something that you'd be that you think that you could use the the kind of the theme for this year has been is just going through the motions and doing those things so absolutely i do think the core of my phone call issue is thinking I'm going to be inconveniencing someone. I think that's the core of it. It's not that I'm anxious to talk to somebody because I can, obviously I can talk to people. It's that, I mean, and we're talking about placing a takeout order. It's, there's, it's job security, right? The more I call this person, the the more, it's good if I'm ordering. That person needs you to call them because of DoorDash. Right, exactly. Like DoorDash is taking over. Like that person probably gets like one tenth of the phone calls that they right. normally get. Right, and so get. if I can reframe it to where I'm helping a person, yeah. I will call all day. But it, mm. but I it, do you get nervous when there's like a lot of noise in the background? You could tell they got other stuff to do. Yeah, because okay. I'm like, oh, they're busy. Yeah, I'm. I hate to bother. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I need. Yeah. 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 
Right. You know, I think that there can be so many pieces in there too, Kim, right? Because sometimes some of our fear about inconveniencing someone comes back to the fear of negative judgment by them, mm -hmm. right? That they're going to be mad at me because mm -hmm. I'm inconveniencing them, right? What does it mean if I inconvenience them? Well, then they're going to be angry with me. Wait, I don't want people to be angry with me. Yeah. I want people to and so, you know, that can be, you know, sometimes a piece of it. And sometimes it also can be, you know, learning to balance needs of self and needs of others, because, you know, sometimes I am going to have to assert my own needs, like to get my food. And maybe they had a different need of, you know, maybe they were trying to take care of a customer who was at the, you know, standing yeah. in the at the counter. But again, I can't know all these things. And I can't be responsible for managing all of these things. And so, I'll never know for sure if it's a good time or a bad time for me to call the restaurant and place my order. And I'm going to have to live with that discomfort of the uncertainty of, I don't know, maybe it's a good time to make this call. Maybe it's not a good time to make this call. And maybe they're going to judge me negatively and, uh, you know, and think that I'm a terrible person for bothering them. But maybe they won't. And I'll be back to what you just said about it helps their job security. But we don't know for sure. And I want to be able to just move forward with making decisions based on my own goals and values, as opposed to just trying to make sure that I'm not afraid of things or that uh, I'm always perfectly safe, which will never be possible anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you so thank much you. for this conversation. Uh, where can people find you and find some of the pieces you've written? So we do have a website. I have a group practice and the website for our practice is www.snowpsych.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Snow, for joining us. And really, I, I feel enlightened. I'm a changed woman. Awareness. <laughs> awareness, man. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, and especially for having me on in the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. It should and be. So May should be Mental Health Awareness Month it if is. you're a parent and um, <laughs> you have to get through all of the end of school year things. I think that's that the parents are very grateful that you have made May-sember. That's what we call it. <laughs> because it's like Christmas, uh, but without any presents, you're going to a thousand things. Well, Sorry, I'm off my soapbox. Yes, anyway. Well, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was interesting. I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Again, we like to come at these things with curiosity. And I thought we were going to be talking about strategies. Okay, Kim, sit down in a quiet place, make the phone call, make the takeout order. Um, but I, I really think we've uncovered. We've learned more about you than we have about any of of the strategies, I think. And that's, but you heard what she said, like awareness is the most important thing. I, I bet if, you know, if we question the people that commented on that initial post we made about getting out of your comfort zone, and I joked that I had struggled with making phone calls, and there's so many people that said me too. Um, I wonder if we got to the core of it, if it would be... Is it everyone being worried about inconveniencing other people? Inconveniencing and not just the inconvenience, take it one step further. I'm afraid of disappointing you, what you might think of me. Right. Um, and I, it's funny, I, when it comes to social media, I, I get a little numb. We made Instagram reel and a TikTok about phone calls, not flowers, right? Which is, we. I asked my family to call our representatives and to do common sense, to make common sense gun reform. And there are some 
a, a very great conversation, but also some people and, you know, messaged some pretty unkind words. And I had a few friends reach out and say, Hey, I see these people are saying X, Y, Z about you. I, you know, I love you all that. That stuff on social media does not bother me. That's be- and but aren't we figuring out why it's exposure because it's, it's just been yeah. happening for years. Well, also you don't care. If you're disappointing, also, you don't also, care if you're disappointing that person. Correct. I'm sorry. But on that's the, true, on right? that subject, yeah. you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So, but if it had been a a friend or a, uh, a somebody I admire that said, "Hey, you're an idiot," um, I, I you're right. I may have actually. You don't. I I know you, and you care more about a neutral person who you've never met before than someone who uh, who responds in that way. You, you just do like you, you don't want to disappoint that person. Yeah. And so, yeah. So this is really interesting though, because I just don't want to disappoint people. I, I know. But, but do you think that's everybody that could be everyone? I also, here's the thing. I want everyone to know this, right? Because you were even worried when we started this podcast, you're like, I'm going to come across looking like a hermit and like a crazy person. And even like, and I think you use the B word. And I think even in your head talking about this, you were worried that that would create the stigma that you just don't like people that you just don't want to right. talk to people. And isn't this such a better and more valuable I just don't want to disappoint. People. Right. That's and everyone needs to know that, right? If someone doesn't want to call or doesn't want to have a conversation with you, it's not because they don't like you. It's yeah. because they, it's because is they that don't I want like to you too you. much is why I don't answer your that, call. <laughs> I, you definitely, you like them more than I do. I don't care. They're going to receive me no matter what. Like people don't talk to me. They receive me. Stop it. That's not true. No. So my buddy, my buddy, Will, anytime uh, Bill Walton is doing a sports cast, Bill Walton is, he's, he's a Portland trailblazer genius. Been hitting the ganja a little bit lately. Um, He, and he's like (laughs) open about it. He just, he starts talking and he doesn't stop talking throughout the entire game about things that have nothing to do with the game. I I would love to watch that. Yeah. So Will will text me. It just says, I'm receiving so much Walton right now. And I'm like, I wonder if people feel that way when they talk to me. And if you do, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, thank you for receiving us today. Uh, I hope you learned something about the people in your life or yourself. So we love you. If you made it to the end, you are the best. You can tag us on Instagram, Instagram stories, send us a message. I love it when people say nice things and mostly people say nice things. There's only a that's few right. you're a stupid idiot. So, and that's whatever. And you don't care what they think of you. That person on that <laughs> issue, I actually don't. But if it were... Like a lot of people are like, stick to making your stupid videos. I'm like, okay, we will. Shut up and dribble. <laughs> Shut up and dribble. Anyway, bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.